0: Hello, and welcome to the Inspiring Leadership Podcast. We trust you'll benefit from our unique lineup of CEOs, generals, and leaders from all business sectors. Whether you're an aspiring, inspiring leader or a seasoned leader seeking further motivation, this podcast provides you with practical life tips, sound wisdom, and world class leadership advice. I'm your host. Jonathan Bowman Perks. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Inspiring Leadership Podcast. This time, our theme is Ride Unity, where we're going to be going for seven days, cycling through seven Emirates, as part of this whole idea of bringing together unity between different nations and different people. But my guest this week is going to be a fellow cyclist with myself and my wife, Lee. His name is Herbert Lang. Herbert is a motivational speaker. He's an actor. He's on TV shows. Um, But he was for 18 years a Harlem Globetrotter. But now he does so much for so many other people, a philanthropist and uh, just an all-round great leader and inspiring leader. So, Herbert, welcome to the Inspiring Leadership Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so
1: much, Jonathan, for allowing me to share on your platform. And uh, thanks for all the the listeners out there today taking time to Allow us to share some positivity with them. I'm grateful to be here. Thank you.
0: Well, it's it's great, Herman, and probably goes out to about a 125 different countries. And uh, there's going to be some people really interested, particularly with your um your stories from your life in the Harlem Globetrotters. Which is as a young boy, I was brought up and always great admiration uh, for the Harlem Globetrotters. And getting into them was so particularly hard. Firstly, let's talk about the uh, Ride Unity, Seven Emirates in Seven Days, which we're going out to the United Arab Emirates on the 5th of January and uh, 2024. And we're going to be staying there for about 10 days and then uh, all scattering to different parts of the globe. But you and I both were linked to it by an amazing man called Daniel Bernard and uh, a number of other people who've made this event happen. But from your point of view... What is Ride Unity and the um seven Emirates in Seven Days? What why why were you attracted to it? What what uh what got you interested in taking part and being part of this team? Well,
1: first of all, like you said, it was Daniel. Uh Daniel and I, we connected some time ago back on LinkedIn and uh just over the course of the last year or so, we just knew that there was something uh, that we got to do together and it just so happened that it'd be uh, the ride for unity. And for me, my message is kindness is free. And I think that, uh, that's something that Daniel is in alignment with. I know that that's something that you're in alignment with. And I think that it takes, uh, conversation from people coming from all over different parts of the world. And for us to be able to ride over the, uh, you know, the UAE, the seven Emirates together in unity from different backgrounds, different beliefs, probably, but just to be able to have a conversation and, and share with people, that's what it's all about. And that's all it took for me, you know, having had the life I've been able to have and the places I've been able to travel. I just remember, you know, one of the first times I traveled over to uh, the UAE, went over to to Dubai. And I remember flying in and I think it must have been the early 2000s. And there was a young man uh, sitting next to me. And I think he'd been in the United States for school for a couple of years. And he were I remember him looking out the window and saying, wow, it doesn't even look the same anymore. And, you know, that kind of turned into, you know, my first trip there and eventually went back and formed again uh, a few years later with the Globe Charters. And, uh, you know, it changed every every time that I've been. And then I uh, eventually went there on the amazing race, running around, you know, traveling, racing for a million dollars. And I just remember those experiences uh, being there, you know, being in the desert, uh, having challenges with camels and, you know, finding water. But the UAE has always had a special place in my heart it's the kind of the growth place of You know, economics now in this day and time, everybody wants to come over there. And I'm just delighted to be able to come over there with, uh, us. you know, what now is such a pretty diverse place to be able to bring positivity to the people of UAE.
0: Yeah. When you look back in history, it it isn't that many years ago when um, Sharjah and the British had a bit of a connection with Sharjah. And luckily for uh, the owners of the different Emirates, uh, a good actually turned out to be a British lawyer advised them that they ought to claim the seabed going out about, um, I think, half a mile or something will be quite useful one day. You never know how useful it was to claim ownership of that seabed. And of course, that seabed is where all the wealth of all the countries has come from, uh, from that one bit of advice that someone once gave them. But I, I can't let you get away with just a throwaway line like I took part in this thing called the amazing race uh, where the prize money was a million dollars. You've got to tell us about that, Herb. What, what was the Amazing Race, and uh, how did you get on in it?
1: Well, the Amazing Race is one of the probably most popular shows in the United States' reality history, um, having branched off into different divisions, United uh, Amazing Race Asia, Amazing Race Europe, Amazing Race Canada, um, just to name a few of them. And uh, my friend Bert, Bertram Van Monster, as well as his wife Elise, are the creators of the show, and... Uh, myself and my teammate at the time, Big Easy Lofton, uh, were a pair that were teamed up to take part in the show. And uh, the first time it happened in 2009, it's uh, pretty much a scavenger hunt, traveling to different parts of the world, trying to figure out different, you know, keys, musical keys, dance lines. I mean, you name it, uh, you have to do it on The Amazing Race. But uh, I always tell people jokingly that, you know, we lost three times on The Amazing Race. But I also share with people that in life you can win. Uh, When you think you're not actually winning, you know, by us taking part in an amazing race, I'm sure that it extended our career. Uh, It allowed us to travel to different parts of the world that otherwise we would not have been able to see. And it it taught us lessons, you know, that even after (laughs) competing, you know, with different people, we can still have relationships, friendships, conversations with them and not hold grudges. And even, you know, if you look at the two of us, after losing three million million three three times, we're still friends. So, hey, <laughs> but it's just a matter of perspective. You know, oftentimes I sit around and I think uh, look at the world that we live in. And I wonder what, you know, I know a, a lot of what we're fighting over and what we're fighting, you know, about. But at the same time, if we just sit down and think about it, I just really think we're able to have a conversation and, and you know, make the world a better place. Now, that that's part of our mission. That's part of what we get to do when we start the ride for unity, Jonathan.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, And I think gaining the perspectives of different people from different races, different backgrounds, different countries. uh, You've traveled uh, as part of the Harlem Globetrotters and other things that you've done to 90 countries. And this podcast goes out to over 125 countries around the world. And um, so there's people of all sorts of backgrounds listening anyway. So I think it it is a lovely thing about that. I do love your your theme of your talk that you're going to be giving when we're out there that kindness is free. And I'm going to be uh, talking about I- inspiring leadership in the age of overload when people have just got so much going on and, and things are quite chaotic and how to give yourself some some uh, compass points uh, in, in a world that's very lost and doesn't know where it's going and people don't know where they're going. Let's talk a bit about your life, because, you know, um, I was brought up to have deep respect for the Harlem Globetrotters, watched them on TV as a young lad in Britain. Um, I'm now in my 60s, you're in your late 40s, but you've, you've packed a lot of life in, particularly 18 years. I think it all began as a, a schoolboy in Arkansas, if I'm right. Tell, tell us a bit about your life experiences and, and just a little, a little nutshell, a bit about your life.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, in a nutshell of my life, I grew up in a really, really small town in the rural South Arkansas. Um, the people know a little bit about American and American history. They know that the South was, you know, known for being poor, known for slavery, known for lack of education. And I was born into the project of, of one of the smallest towns, you know, in the state back in the 70s. Um, my mother had me at the age of 17. She had my sister 13 months later. And by the age of 25, uh, she had six of us. And um, at that age of 25, we actually did move at, out of the projects at nine years old, but most of my family members still live there. And those experiences I had there to me were, they were great because they pretty much molded me into, you know, the person that I am. I learned to live without, you know, electricity sometimes because we couldn't pay the bills. I learned to live without water sometimes. Uh, I live with rats and roaches sometimes crawling uh, on the floor, but. You know, my mom, she always did what she had to do and made it sure that we had, you know, enough, along with the family members that I had that lived in the, you know, in the same community as well as the neighbors. We all kind of looked out for each other. But, uh, you know, growing up like that humbles you. I had a grandmother who would, you know, she was really religious. She went to church probably five, to seven days a week. And many of those times I was, you know, right there with her, traveling to different parts of uh, the state sometimes, going to revivals and just looking at, people and learning that, you know, everybody just really wanted hope. And, you know, growing up in these experiences, I think, prepared me for eventually when I would go on to play basketball in college and, uh, first of all, travel the world. Then at that point, travel to different parts of the United States. And, you know, again, see a, uh eye's perspective, like literally get to see uh, some of the places that you, you studied about in school and that you heard about. Uh, for me was eye-opening, and then it led to the Harlem Globe Charters and what better team uh, to connect with a team that actually travels all over the United States and all over the world to actually see what people go through, how people live, and also learn about, you know, in person and see some of the things that you studied about in high school and elementary school in the history books, and I'm just grateful for all the experiences, the good ones, the bad ones, they've all taught me so much, and I think the biggest lesson that they taught me is being able to see things from other people's perspective and Being able to sit in another person's perspective because in those travels, I've sat in people's homes, I've sat in their bars, I've danced in their nightclubs, I've sang their songs, I've, you know, bought their music back over here to the United States. And, you know, that's why when I tell people if I travel to eighty eight countries around the world, I've got at least eighty-eight friends. And I think that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Having friends because as this world develops, it's getting a little bit closer and a little bit
0: closer. Yeah, it's a lovely it's a it's a lovely story and and deep. Respect for all that you've done, Herb. Um, I, I was very taken as we were chatting before we went on on air. One of my, uh, I was just a, a guest on a podcast earlier today, and they asked me, you know, if I could have a guest on the podcast, who would I like to have, who I haven't yet had? And I said, uh, President Barack Obama. Now, you happen to have played basketball as a member of the Harlem Globetrotters with President Barack Obama. You've met him twice. You've also uh, met Pope Francis, And uh, I think if I understood it, spun a basketball on his finger. Is that right? Tell us about both those people.
1: Well, um, it's kind of funny how the uh, the Barack Obama meeting happened the first time. Uh, When I joined the Globe Charter back in, it it was 99, I think we did a documentary called The Team That Changed the World. And at that time, I remember that I was a part of that documentary, some of the outtakes, and I watched the documentary and also saw a senator from Illinois. His name was Barack Obama. He was also in this documentary talking about the Harlem Globetrotters, the team that changed the world. At that time, I didn't even know who he was. You know, if you fast forward uh, several years later, of course, they had the uh, annual Easter egg roll at the White House there in uh, Washington, D.C. And our PR guy's name was Brett Myers, who's still a good friend of mine. Uh, he called me to let me know that I was one of the guys that they would be taking. There would be four of us that would go to the annual Easter egg roll. And he mentioned to me that it would be a really good opportunity to meet uh, the president. So, I mean, either way I go, I'm going, I'm excited. And we get to the uh, the annual Easter egg roll. There's stars everywhere. There's Chris Everett on the backcourt playing tennis. There's Andy Roddick on the backcourt. There's a young uh, Zidania, the the popular actor and singer now here in the United States. Everybody's there. And I just remember being at the court and they're saying, oh, the president, he's definitely coming to the basketball court. You know, he loves basketball. And so, you know, we're training the kids 15 minutes at a time. We're bringing them in. And here comes President Obama come through with his swag and, you know, ready to catch the ball. He shoots a a couple of jump shots and has a nice jump shot. And he makes them. And it it was a memorable moment to be able to meet the president for that first time. But I mentioned to you this guy, Brett Meister, who is our PR guy. As we look back through the photos, I didn't have any photos of me actually shaking the president's hand. So I was just saying to him, I can't believe you got me that close to the president and these are the photos, you know, that you, that you have for me. And so Brett being the magician that he is, he uh, came back to me about eight months later and said, all right, Herb, we're going back to the white house again, (laughs) next to the annual Easter egg roll. And I promise you, I'll get you great photos with uh, president Obama. And uh, he kept his word. We went back. Uh, that following year. And President Obama, of course, like always, made his way to the basketball court with his swag and his left-hand shot that really wasn't hitting that well on that particular day. So Brett has actually photos of myself, uh, former NBA uh, legend Bruce Brown of the San Antonio Spurs, standing over the president as we're forcing him to do push-ups for missing the shots, giving (laughs) him the same treatment that we gave the kids out there. And, I mean, it's just... You know, lightning striking twice at the same time. And, you know, moments like this, you know, make me realize how lucky I am. And then again, fast forward, you mentioned uh the Vatican meeting Pope Francis. And as I think about that, that experience, I mean, there's I could go on for hours telling you about the whole moments leading up to it. But I just remember one of the people coming and saying to us as we had a front row view uh of him saying that he's gonna go see the kids first. And once he goes to see the kids, you guys can go up there. And I think that's kind of why I always find it important to go to the schools, you know, go see the kids first, because that's where it starts. And then you make your way to the other influential people who can influence the people in between. So I don't know. That was one of the things that stood out for my moment, uh meeting the Pope. You know, after he meets the kids, he'll come meet you. So I think it's yeah. important that we that we meet more of the kids.
0: And and I think in Ride Unity, when we are in the United Emirates, there is the intention to meet children in different schools that we go to as well. So you're going to be in your element. And uh, so am I, and uh, so is my wife. We've got uh, two little grandkids and four kids of our own now. Um, so, yeah, schools and um, the kids are the future. And if we can get them to, um, as you say, understand that kindness is free, and also about unity and understanding people from different backgrounds and different countries. That would be really helpful. In all the different experiences that you've uh, had, Herb, um, what would be a dark moment in your life? Because you're very good at learning from experiences, both good and bad. But what would be a one of the darkest moments in your life? And and what did it teach you? I mean, aside from growing up in the projects, which I understand is some of the poorest areas in a town is referred to in America as the project. It's not a term we use in England, but I, I do get that. Um, and, and those really tough upbringing, but you just got on with it. But what what is a, a dark moment and what did you learn from that?
1: Well, I'd probably say, um, you know, as you mentioned, growing up in where I grew up in Arkansas and uh, just being lucky to be surrounded by so many people and going through those experiences to eventually not having to struggle, you know, uh, the way that I did back then. I would say probably one of the darkest moments that I've had. I've had my fair share of them. I'd say at a young age, probably in college, when I found out that my great grandmother had passed away, uh, she was a lady who, uh, when you talk about the Harlem Globe Charters, she loved, you know, ABC, World Wide World, Sports, Disney, anytime the Globe Charters came on, she was the kind of person that, you know, would get the family together to watch, you know, the team play. Um, and I say that, it was tough for me because <laughs> a couple years before that, the, the my high school girlfriend's mother, she owned a funeral home. So I used to work in the funeral home business and I knew the importance of, of time. And I knew my grandmother was getting up in age and I had a couple of opportunities to go and see her before she passed away that I didn't uh, take advantage of. And I ended up regretting them. But uh, to kind of share with you what I learned from that experience and death is to not take days for granted. Because working in that industry for about two and a half, three years, and in a small town, there were many of the people that passed away that I knew, that I stood beside and you know, watched the way that family members and friends treated them while they were alive, as opposed to how they responded uh, to knowing that they would never see them again. And so those lessons over the course of years made me realize how important it is uh, to, to try not to waste days you know and 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 shout that person's name out and scream for them and you know be proud of them you know while they're alive as opposed to the way that you show out when you see them in that casket or you know you're saying that last goodbye And so those are some of the tough lessons that i learned but also the lessons i learned from those lessons most importantly just don't take any day for granted because every day is important
0: i think that's a really powerful saying and um just standing up I've got one of the standing desks where I can go from sitting to standing Um, behind me on the wall is a a photograph of my two brothers one who was attacked and almost murdered by someone with a knife Um, he's lived but it was pretty gruesome and they tried to burn his house down and the other one a brother of mine who died uh, two years ago of metastatic cancer and we didn't see that one coming he was uh, within 10 days of being diagnosed he was dead and uh, and so i really that really resonates for me um this point about don't take days for granted and every day is a bonus um my father was killed when i was only uh two and a half and he was just 33 so um i'm now almost 62 and so i've lived a lot more longer than my father has so i've had many days every day has been a bonus for me since 33 um and and i think it's a, a great attitude that you have and i'm really sorry about um you know your great-grandmother passing away someone you were close to i i think of my own grandmother when i was serving in the british army uh in germany and my grandmother died my mother said don't worry about coming back for the funeral i know you're on exercise with the military and you can't come back but i i, I regret that now you know i think it's important to say goodbye to people um as it was my um brother his uh his wife and daughter had a very quiet ceremony scattered the ashes uh on their own. But I, I I never had the chance to say goodbye to him because I wasn't there. They they just kept it um to themselves, uh understand the quiet modest couple. Um but I found an occasion on another on another occasion when I was on a course to just choose a spot that was almost his grave and say goodbye to him. I think we need to be grateful. But the other point that you made uh which I really resonated strongly for me was we, we think of the words we'd like to say to somebody when they're dead at their funeral. But I always teach myself and other people to write those words out now as if that person that you love has died, but tell them now while they're alive. Don't wait till they're dead. They won't know it then. And uh, they need to hear it now. And I think all too often we, we hold back. And uh, we criticize and we find fault in people. And it's only when they're gone that we then start to realize how special they were and and what we valued about them. What's your thoughts?
1: Well, I love what you said on that. I'm a big and first of all, thank you for your service uh, in the military. I didn't realize that you uh, had served. But uh, when it comes to, you know, to thanking people, I'm the kind of person with what we have this thing called social media and text messaging. I may not always be able to pick up the phone, but if I think about one of my friends, I'll send them a text message. I'll send them a memory uh, that we shared. I think that is important. You know, a simple text message. You don't know what type of memory or good conversation you can strike up with someone who's been waiting uh, to hear from you. Somebody waiting to be inspired by your success. Uh, somebody that, you know, they haven't spoken to a, at, for a long time that they shared their deepest, deepest secrets with at a young age that they still haven't found that person again because it's you. Uh, You know, so I think that is important, definitely with this technology that we've been given uh, and the time that we've been given here on Earth. You know, if we're still here. We've got time uh, to send those messages out. So I'm in alignment with that. But I just want to encourage people. Hey, if you got this tool that we got called technology, phones and social media, there's somebody that's been on your heart. You know, somebody that you need to forgive. Go ahead and send that message out. Pick up the phone and see where it leads to. Tell them Jonathan and her sent you.
0: <laughs> that's very true and i did a, a fascinating program which i recommend to you and anybody else out there it began in america but it's come over to europe now as well and it's called the hoffman institute and it's a seven-day program and you do it with 23 other people and um as as part of that at the end you'd write letters to people that you just want to tell them certain things and and i wrote letters to certain people at the end of it which were life-changing and changed my relationship with those people for the better um, that I hadn't got round to saying to them. And um, ever since doing that, it's been an utter liberation. So what you said there, Herb, is very wise. Herb, let's um, go back to that theme you said of school children. Um, You are particularly good at, uh, you you motivate everybody wherever you go, but um, you particularly have that ability to connect with school children and a bit like the Pope, you know, begin with the children go to see the kids first. And um, imagine that you went back to the future in that DeLorean uh, in that film, and uh, you were met yourself back at school again, age 16 to 18. What bit of advice would you give yourself now with all the experiences you've had about this doesn't matter, but this is really important? What would you say?
1: Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question because that's something that I've, I've been asked before and it's something that I, I think about uh, quite often. And I just remember, um, you know, when I tell young kids, even adults, I just say, never forget your dreams. And that's why I'm always able to go back to remember laying back in my grandmother's uh, yard, looking up into the sky, watching the planes fly over, you know, looking at the jet stream, watching the way that the clouds would part. And I had dreams. And, you know, as a kid, My dreams, many of them have come to reality. I dreamed of being a, you know, professional basketball player. I dreamed of being in those planes, in those clouds that I, you know, noticed in the sky. I dreamed of being on television. I dreamed of standing before people and, you know, showing them a better way. And I just, you know, would say to anybody, just remember your dreams, write them down, go back to that, that place, that childhood home, that park that, you know, you were once inspired at and see if you can find it again. You know, it's like I share with with different athletes uh, because I am a former athlete, but just people who were were great and, you know, accomplished things in their local area. You know, go back to your hometown and let people remind you of the person that you were, because sometimes we get lost in this big world and we forget how great that we are or that we were. But so if we go back home, you know, to where we came from, back to our school, back to our teams and, you know, spend a little bit of time, I think that we'll all be able to remember the things that made us great, the things that inspired us, and the steps that we took uh, to get there. There were no shortcuts, and we appreciate those shortcuts. And I think out of all of that, I would tell myself, just keep going and appreciate that you are not taking any shortcuts along the way.
0: Yeah, wow. It's really resonated for me. I I had the privilege of being invited back to my old school and uh, gave a a sort of commencement address to them. But I was thinking of um, Admiral Bill McRaven, the U.S. Navy SEAL, and he had, gave a great commencement address called First Make Your Bed, uh, where he talked about what mattered in life. And, and speeches like that can really stay with someone all their life. And, and if you just touch the lives of one person in the audience back at your school, that would make a, a huge difference. Thanks for that, Herb. Um, we've designed an inspiring leadership compass about what makes high-performing leaders and teams in business and in life. And um, I'll just pick out a few of the components of the eight components and just see what how it resonates for you and what advice you could share with our listeners around the world. The, the first one is uh, moral quotient, MQ. So your, your integrity, your values, your beliefs, what you stand for, Herb, and what you will not fall for. Um, give us an example of something that didn't really work out as you'd intended to, according to your values, and and how you dealt with it?
1: Well, um, just off the top of my mind, when I think about some of the experiences that I've had uh, on television, you know, here in the United States, I've been on uh, shows, of course, The Amazing Race three times, I've appeared on The Bachelorette, not as a contestant, but just as a, a person on the show I've been on, you know, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? And a lot of these shows are in alignment with who I am, kindness, my brand. Uh, there was a particular show that I was invited to be on uh, that I had to say no to, you know, because morally it wasn't in alignment with who I am and what I want to put out there as far as who I represent. So, you know, in saying that in life, we also have to be able to identify, you know, those things, those situations uh, that don't align with who we are, that aren't morally uh, correct in our view. Uh, But at the same time, we have to recognize the opportunities at the same time. So for me, if it's something that doesn't align up with my morals, I don't care how much money it is. I'm not going to do it.
0: Yeah, that that is so important. And I think there's that lovely saying, a gentleman or a lady is someone who knows what they will do and what they won't do. And I think um, too many people, unfortunately, in the world of of, uh, social media and reality TV shows will um will really prostitute themselves uh, for money and and you go they really have cheapened themselves and it's very sad um but i love the fact that you said no to a show i love that that little saying i said no to a show i think that's that's a little caps-y, ca- catchy catchy <laughs> saying for one of your one of your motivational speeches i said no, no to, to a show so. um, or <laughs> <laughs> and uh so thank you for that. So the next one round, sort of the the, the three components we have at the top of the compass, moral quotient, your integrity, your values, your beliefs, you know, what you stand for. Uh over on the left, which we'll come to later on, your your legacy, your stewardship. And but I'm gonna go around to the right to your purpose, PQ, your meaning and purpose, or spiritual uh intelligence, as some calls it. But what herb gives your life meaning and purpose now and and when you look back over it what's what's been giving your life meaning and purpose
1: well i think for me um i think it's always kind of been you know being in front of people and inspiring them and i think that goes back to uh, my grandmother taking me to the different you know churches and events and just being at sporting events I think that it was always meant for me to, you know, kind of lead, but I've never been the kind of leader that just jumped right out in front of people. I've always been able to kind of find my way, work my way through, uh, you know, kind of understand the lay of the land and then kind of be able to give my, uh, you know, my advice. So, uh, you know, for me, when it comes to purpose, it's, it's back then it was, how many points can I score? You know, how many countries can I travel to, you know, how many television shows can I be, you know, be on. But I think that, those purposes all serve a particular purpose. And that's for me to be able to serve people of the world and let them know through kindness and having a conversation that anything is possible. And that's what gets me now inspired to get up each and every day, have an opportunity to know that I get to put something positive out there, even if it's just on social media, knowing that I get to go out in different schools and, and, you know, be able to inspire young people. And now, you know, having this opportunity in the UAE for the uh, rides. Uh, you know unity this is something that has me excited I mean I'm looking forward to meeting you guys I'm looking forward to see how the lay of the land has changed in the UAE over the past six or seven years since I've been there and you know this is it this is the purpose this is what I've been working for and so it's all coming to light Uh, that's exciting
0: I I think it's really exciting and I, I just love the eclectic mix of people who are coming together to ride through the seven emirates in seven days as part of ride unity uh, and also, sort of get the messages out and help with the the charity initiatives that are going on to make a difference in the world. At a time when there's so much disunity and so much uh, hatred and uh, lack of kindness and lack of humanity to each other, brutality. It's it's time for us, in our own way, to stand up and and be counted uh, for for how the way we can show up. And and so, thank you. Um, it's interesting thinking about as you were growing up with your meaning and purpose how many baskets can you score how many shows can you be on this kind of stuff one of the great questions i was once asked many years ago which has always stuck with me is how much is enough and the second question which goes with that is how do you know when you have enough now it can be whatever you determine as stuff enough but but in a world of marketing and you know gathering more stuff particularly you growing up with very little money and i also hard to believe but i also grew up with very little money and at one stage uh, when my parents were very young we were living in a caravan because we couldn't afford a house and uh, and so money has always been tight for us as we were growing up so i relate to you but in a different way i think you uh, you were really in uh, with the projects uh, in a in a very tough place but for you how much is enough? And how do you know when you have enough? How would you answer those questions?
1: Well, that, that's that's a great question. I've never really been asked that question before. But when it comes to enough, initially what comes to mind is, you know, when you talk about material things, um, that's not even in the category of, you know, having enough for me, I've lived a great life. Um, all those things, when you treat people a certain kind of way, you'll get those things anyway. You know, so for me, I don't think there'll ever be enough until the world is at peace, mm-hmm. and so that would be the thing that keeps me, you know, keeps me going. I get to have all the material things. I've experienced all of these things. And I'll continue to experience them, but at the same time, while experiencing them and being, you know, a servant of the universe and God, I know that it, it'll never be enough until I'm done. You know, and that's a part of uh, the legacy. You know, I did a podcast several years ago, and a guy asked me. You know, for the first time, it was the first time I had really been asked about legacy. And I think that I I remember telling him that, you know, although I may be away, I'm still working because the things that I put out on uh, social media, the videos that people have of me making them smile as a globe charter, the movies uh, that will you know, live forever. That's that's a part of the legacy right there. And I want to make sure that I put something out and leave something that people remember and be able to look back and be inspired the same way that they look back at Martin Luther King and you know all the other great leaders of the world. And so it'll never be enough. As long as I'm able to do it, it'll never be enough.
0: Yeah, no, it's a lovely way of putting it. And you touch on legacy, um, which I think is uh, closely linked with the word stewardship, that, that you, you don't own a lot of things. You, you're just looking after it during the time you're there, if it's a job or even if it's this house that I'm living in at the moment with my wife, and we've got four kids and two grandkids. Um, one day we'll be dead and gone. And somebody else will be living in this house. Um, we don't know who it's going to be. And, and and I think we're so transient in this world that leaving a legacy where you've made a difference to the lives by making them smile, making them happier, giving them inspiration, that's all worth it. Don't you think?
1: For me, that's what it's all about. I mean, when you talk about the opportunity that we have, the places that, you know, that we get to go. And, you know, one of the things that Daniel and I have talked about with this ride community is that, you know, this is the first one, but this is the first of many, you know, that we get to do. And when you start, everything has to start somewhere. And so if we're starting at the UAE, who knows where we'll be next year or the next six months. But the first part of making it happen is actually sitting down, getting together or getting on those bikes and making it happen. So, for me, you know, that's what it's all about. That's about, you know, unity. That's about legacy. And it's about, you know, starting something. You know, everybody had to start somewhere and we're starting something that's going to last for a long time.
0: I, I, I do love that. And, and that really caught my imagination that this is, this is, you know, it's important we're beginning somewhere. And Seven Emirates in Seven Days as part of Ride Unity is the first event. Uh, the next one might be in America. Now, did I hear you say to me that um you... Ran around the world? Was that right, or did I mishear you?
1: Well, when I say run around the world, that means like on the Amazing Race as a competitor. Yeah. I have not literally. I'm not much of a jogger. I was pretty fast as far as a sprinter, and I do a little bit of running to keep in shape. But no,
0: <laughs> no running yeah. around the world, and I'm not that, the best that,
1: cyclist either. I've ridden uh, a few bikes, but not even really professionally. So
0: that's I'm right about
1: taking a risk for me, and you know, not being afraid
0: yeah no, i like that well i mean that leads me on nicely to health quotient hq um so your mental health your physical health and uh your general well-being I and mean, clearly 18 years as a harlem globetrotter you're going to have to look after yourself but equally when you're out in the uae the weather will be warm we're doing anywhere between 50 and 90 kilometers on some of the rides what are you going to do to look after your health and well-being? Do you have a routine? Do you eat certain foods? Do you um, focus on you know sleep and you know mindfulness, meditation? Tell me a bit about about your fitness re- routines, Herb.
1: Well, Jonathan, I have this model called I stay ready, so I don't have to get ready. So therefore, when it comes time for me to you know get ready to do something, I start to do a little bit of preparation. So in preparation for the uh, you know the, the ride for unity I'll uh you know start doing a little bit more cycling a little bit more riding I'm not sure if I'll be able to make all of those kilometers each and every day but I will show up and give everything that I got but as far as the mental preparation for me it just starts with my routine and I've become a little bit more regimented as I've gotten older and since I retired from uh, traveling so much in, in 2017 I had to find myself a routine and that Routine pretty much starts with, uh, you know, waking up in the morning, giving thanks, having a minute with uh, God and universe, which leads to a meditation, uh, which usually leads to a walk, which eventually leads to me doing some type of physical activity uh, with working out. If that's getting some shots up, if that's jogging, if that's, you know, going to play pickleball, whatever it is, I try to make sure I get something in uh, six to seven days a a week. Um, Also try to make sure with. Uh, my ball handling. as a trotter. I'm 47 years old, but I was given a gift, so I have to make sure so that I continue to practice my ball handling so I can stay sharp when the opportunity arises. So, uh, My motto when it comes to preparation is stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Uh, my wife has taught me to eat a little bit better than I did when I was a single man uh, traveling the world, so I'm a little bit more cognizant of uh, the foods that I put into my body, but at the same time, I allow myself to have a treat every now and then, but yeah, I just stay ready, so I don't have to get
0: ready, Jonathan. That's a great motto, and I, and I I love it. And I was listening to an audio book. I'm dyslexic, so I I, I listened to my my learning rather than read. I can't read, but it's just a bit harder for me than than listening. And this one is called Exercise, and it's by an anthropologist, and he's talking about the fact that the Hadza and some of the tribes, you know, would squat. Uh, most of the day they'd be down on their haunches, which, of course, is something we don't do. Here I am sitting in my chair, though I have, you know, lifted my chair, my my rising desk up and down a few times to get a bit of movement. But they, um, they, funny enough, were, were sort of like almost always ready. But there's some of the tribes that go and do 80 miles as a group, they kick a ball and they follow it for 80 miles, but they don't train for it. You know, this is the strange things they've when he was asking them, what do you do to train? And they go, what is training? I don't understand. Because, of course, they're already you know covering 10 miles a day anyway, every day as part of their life of getting water and food and things like that. And we have tended to become quite sedentary. Uh, You and your wife, is it just the two of you or do you have a wider family? Just tell us a bit about the two of you.
1: Yeah. So uh, my wife and I, we actually met back in. 2017. Shortly after I retired from the Globe Charters, uh, within a couple of months we were uh, living together. We recently got married on February the 22nd.
0: Hey congratulations! uh,
1: 2022. We did it all on the on the uh, perfect twos. And between us, we have a son, Antonio. He's 24, uh, 17 year old. Actually, just turned 18 year old. Son uh, Nicholas, who plays football in upstate New York at Ithaca College, and my daughter, our daughter, Rhea, is a 16-year-old junior uh, in high school who was heavily involved in dance and modeling and student counseling and just making the world a better place in the world. So, you know, super, super proud of, of all of them. And uh, thank you for asking about them.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's so lovely. Children are very important. I've got Harriet and Brani, my own two daughters, and then Lee brought to our marriage, uh, Daniel and Kirsty. And they're all now married. This year, they everybody got finally got married. My two daughters got married. And um we have uh, a, a three-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old uh, grandchildren, granddaughter, and grandson. And ch- children and family are so very important. You know, we get it right. Sometimes we get it wrong, other times. But, you know, what else? They're part of our legacy, aren't they? Don't you think, Herb?
1: They absolutely are. And, you know, speaking of the kids and, you know, look at my, my son, to turn 18. And I was a basketball player, you know, most of my life. I played football, American football, and several sports. And I mean, he played way more sports than I can imagine. He's good at all of them. He's still good at all of them. But just to be able to see the kind of person that he is, the kind of people that they are. And uh, I kind of look at them sometimes as a better version of myself. And it's pretty cool to see uh, God and the universe give you a second chance to look at yourself even better than Uh, You can't imagine. So that's how I look at them. It's a blessing favor, see myself, you know, in them and and kind of live vicariously through them as they experience things that I couldn't even imagine.
0: No, it's fantastic. And uh, children are just a source source of great joy. I mean, of course, at moments, they're a source of great uh, agony and uh, uncertainty and you worry about them. I don't think you ever I remember my mother before she died she was still worrying about me and i was in my 40s by that stage and you know, i think you never stop as a parent worrying about your children uh, we're coming towards the end of our our time on the on the uh the show um but there's a few more thoughts i had Herb. one was um resilience uh what i call rq and um how have you picked yourself up in times of adversity? Cause you've had so much success, but there must've been some setbacks and some adversity. And And what's your tip and advice on, on picking yourself back up when you've, uh, things haven't quite worked out?
1: I think it, it goes back to uh, what you just talked about. I mean, it's, it's resilience. It's, it's, you can't quit. You know, you have to get a routine. You have to get a routine. and something that you stick that you're able to stick to. And for me, it's just, realizing how blessed I've been and, you know, realizing how many people are dependent on me, how many people are following, following me. And I have the strength to get up each and every day. There's a lot of people that don't have uh, the tools or the gifts that I've been given. And it's a sin and, and sad for me not to use them. So for me, the resilience comes from knowing the people that look up to me knowing the people that I have inspired and knowing the people that I get to inspire as I continue on this journey. And so For me, that, that's what gets me up. It gets me excited. It allows me to do an extra push up, allows me to run an extra, you know, couple of meters. It allows me to be able to shoot a couple of extra jump shots. It allows me to be able to listen to a couple of extra motivational speakers to see what style that I can incorporate into mine. And so for me, it's just about not giving up, not quitting. And I mean, to be honest with you, that's what I'm experiencing right now. I had a couple of years where there was nothing that was happening. It was like, no, 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 you know, and within the blink of an eye in a couple of months, it's like oh for 10 to 10 for 10 with the opportunity to say no to certain things. And so it's just a matter of not quitting. It's yeah. the Bible of the fittest in all aspects of life. And just have to find your niche and mine has been kindness and inspiring and, you know, treating people better than I can expect to be treated. So I'm excited and I'm grateful.
0: No, uh, it's it's lovely. And it's great having you as part of Ride Unity. Um, So really my, my last, but one question is, what do you want to contribute or what do you intend to contribute to the ride unity time in the UAE um, with the events that we've got going on, as well as you and I struggling on our bicycles while well, the, the super fit uh, people who've cycled 3000 miles across America speed on ahead of us, but uh, you and I will be, uh, be doing our bit at the back, but, but what do you want to contribute to ride unity?
1: Well, I mean, I'm going to be contributing, uh, speaking to different youth. I'm going to be contributing going to, uh, the universities and just, you know, people in the streets, if I can, just bring joy to them. It's just simple, simply by spinning the basketball on their finger. Uh, I just want to be able to go back and give thanks because, you know, when we, when I talk about the different countries uh, and different cities and places that I've been to, the UAE was a part of it. And there were people who took care of me and showed me kindness. So it's my duty right now to go back on this particular trip and show them the gratitude that I have. And share with them my experience that I had there and how grateful I am to be able to come back and say thank you, you know, because of them. I'm still here in the way that they treated me during their time while I was there. So that's my contribution, just giving back to the people who took care of me three to four times I've already been there and look to continue to grow a relationship with not just the people of the UAE, but the people of the world.
0: Yeah. So it's a lovely, it's a lovely image that you've created and thank you for what you're going to contribute i know you'll make a huge difference and and indeed it takes it back to the harlem globe this idea of the globe that you're you're a you're a citizen of the world and that world you're citizen. you're 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 contributing in ride unity to that so let's wrap up um herb with um if you were to give a two-minute leadership tip with a few tips in there about practical ways to lead yourself and to lead others what would be your your final advice before we wrap up? Herb?
1: I think that my best leadership advice is that you have to be willing to do what you're asking the people to do. And so, for me, as a former globe trotter and as a coach, when they allowed me to be player, or coach, player and coach for the last couple of years, I just remember moments we would get into some of these uh, cities, and they weren't always as prepared for us as we needed. And it took all of us to, you know, grab the luggage and throw the luggage on the, you know, on the bus and bring it into the hotel because we didn't have the group. And just because I was a coach or, you know, a leader now didn't mean that I couldn't help. And so through me, it was important to show them that I'm willing to do the work. The same work that I'm asking them to do, I'm willing to do on all aspects. And, you know, even fast forward into after my time with the Globe Charters. I mean I've I've sold insurance. I've, you know, knocked on people's doors. I've done cold calling. I've uh you know, I've had an opportunity to go out and, you know, do lift, you know, pick up the people. Just a couple of years after meeting the Pope, I've had a chance to go out and listen to what the people are talking about. What are their complaints? What are their concerns? And I'm grateful, you know, for these opportunities because they allow me to be able to have conversations and feel, you know, what the people are going through. I've had an opportunity to do door bad door dash. I've been able to feed the people. I've been able to go to these restaurants and see what the people feel like, you know, when they're getting these orders ready for you. And I'm able to understand what it feels like to, you know, show up with a good attitude because some of the places you go back more than once and they feel good when they see you because they know you're coming in with a good attitude. So, you know, to be able to really understand the people, you got to get out there with the people and feel the people. And so for me, it's simple. Get out there and do the same work that you're asking other people to do.
0: Well, uh, it's brilliant advice, and Herbert Lang, thank you. Um, you. What an amazing life you've had thus far. Harlem Grobwatertter for eighteen years. Um, you've been a TV, you are a TV personality, you're a motivational speaker. you're a philanthropist, and you do lots of motivational speaking around the world with all your world travels to help other people understand that that this whole theme of kindness is free. And let's, let's go out there and make a difference. So thank you for being on the Inspiring Leadership Podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Jonathan. And uh, before we go for closing, I just want to encourage people to go out and check out my YouTube. You can check out my TEDx talk, uh, Kindness is Free. I'm also on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at charter 4 uh, If you just want to Google me and find out more, just put in Herbert Flight Lang and reach out to me. Send me a message. If I have an opportunity, I definitely will know send a like or a hello and appreciation of gratitude just for touching base with me and i hope that i can inspire you looking forward to meeting you and your lovely wife jonathan thank you daniel for making this happen and uae i'm not sure if you're ready for what's about to happen but here we come ride for unity kindness is free
0: thank you very much indeed herbert lang that's brilliant bye for now thank you for listening We hope we've ignited your curiosity and broadened your perspectives. My guests and I provide this service to you for free. All we ask in return is that you share it now with one other leader you know, so they also benefit too. Please subscribe, rate and review us on your podcast platform. We value your feedback and invite you to connect with us through my website, jonathanperks.com where you can sign up for your weekly podcast newsletter you can also follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram Twitter and Facebook I'm your host Jonathan Bowman Perks and thank you for joining us on the Inspiring Leadership podcast. You can hear another unique guest next Tuesday. Goodbye